Well, Pastor Michael isn't home. Um, it's nothing serious. Uh, he started during Alex's birthday dinner yesterday to feel a little weak and a little fatigued and not right, and um, it got worse and worse throughout the night. He took some NyQuil last night thinking he could just sleep it off and woke up pretty weak this morning. So since the flu had just made its way through our house, we thought it best for you all that he didn't pass it on, that he just keep that to himself. <laughs> and uh, he's staying home and using wisdom and resting today, so that's where he is. But please pray for him. Uh, we, we want it to go thus far and no farther, right? It's going to reverse and turn around and get out of there in Jesus' name. So here I am. Found out about 5 o'clock this morning. It was my turn. <laughs> was already on the schedule to minister next week, so I do have something stirring, but it wasn't ready. But thank God that last time I ministered in February, he'd actually given me two messages to pick from, and so he's a pretty smart God, and when you follow him, you're going to be instant in season and out of season, so I had already something kind of stirring and ready uh, called, Don't Let Anything Talk You Into Quitting. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to start with the testimony. How many of you like a good testimony? Uh, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which means when we tell what he has done, it tells what he wants to do, right? And so uh, it's pretty lengthy. Just bear with me. It's a personal testimony that just happened yesterday. So I got a suddenly that took about six months to come, right? How many of you know? Suddenlies don't happen all of a sudden. And so um, in October, I was just glancing through Facebook, as we usually do, to kill some time and just to do something mindless. And I came across a video of Lisa Turkhurst. How many of you know who that is? She wrote The Best Yes. She's a a Christian author, uh, ministers mostly to women, And um, I follow her because I'm endeavoring to be an author and I enjoy writing. So I do a writing course that she does. Anyway, I saw this video that she had talked about. She was taking a step back from some things to slow down and was just following up on her health, doing some doctor's visits she hadn't done in four or five years and different stuff like that. And lo and behold, she had her mammogram for the first time in six years and found out that she had breast cancer and had to go in and have a a radical double mastectomy. So I thought, hmm, how long has it been since I've checked on things? So I I did a quick check, and lo and behold, I had a lump in October. So I'm like, well, that doesn't belong here, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but let's do the smart thing. Everyone say the smart thing. And call the doctor. (coughs) Called the doctor, got into the doctor, and she confirmed, yes, there's something there that doesn't belong there. However, it's, it's not uh, presenting as something that I would say immediately, yes, that's cancerous. It was soft and not hard. It was smooth and not prickly. It was movable. And all these days, she kept ticking off the list of how it probably isn't anything. It was very, very painful, which is a good sign for it to not be cancerous. So I felt pretty confident leaving her office with my... Uh, thing in hand, my script in hand to go have a diagnostic mammogram. And so our insurance is a little tricky and we're self-paid through our employer. And so you know what? They want that money up front. You know, diagnostic mammograms, although you can get some free mammograms in March and October, a diagnostic mammogram is a pretty penny. So I went to the Lord, right? And I didn't go to the Lord and say, should I? I went to the Lord and said, provide. 
because that's what I can do. It's part of our covenant. And as I was talking to him about providing for that, um, I really felt in my spirit to wait. And I wasn't very comfortable with that. So I prayed a little bit more and I rebuked the enemy and said, I come against you, Satan, for lying to me. That's stupid. Everyone say stupid. But I really know the voice of God and I really felt in my heart to wait. So I was like, oh, well, the doctor was pretty confident. I'm feeling this from the Lord. So I'm going to wait. So I'm going to throw a disclaimer in here. Don't do this at home. <laughs> Go to the doctor, have the test. If there's any doubt in your mind, if there's any fear in your heart, don't do this at home. Okay? We believe in doctors. We believe God gave us doctors. We believe that the doctors give wisdom and they work with God to eradicate sickness and disease from our bodies. We love doctors. I'm taking my son, Alex, tomorrow to get an MRI on his calf to see what's wrong in there because he hasn't been able to run. He's got a pain. He's got a lump. We ain't messing around. I have no unction from the Holy Spirit not to. <laughs> Are you following me? Don't do this at home. However, we were, we're going to talk about faith today, so I'm sharing my testimony. Okay? This is my testimony. So, um, and I kept before the Lord for the last six months on that, ready to make the call to go get that test at a moment's notice. I had the number on the refrigerator to call the doctor's office and schedule that test. And so I was following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I called a few friends. Of course, I had my husband. And I called a few close friends that I know are prayer partners of mine who were agreeing with me and praying with me for healing. I got in the word. He directed me to take communion every morning. So I got up before everyone else and I got the bread and the cup which was sometimes goldfish and water. It just depended on what was in the house. He's not as concerned with the elements as the heart, you understand? And I knelt on my floor in my living room and I read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24 and I read Isaiah 53 out loud in the Amplified Version and I, I soaked in it for probably an hour every day. Yes, by his stripes I'm healed. The curse was crushed by the cross. God, it was God's good pleasure to crush Jesus because he wanted to crush our enemies. And the only way to do that was to crush him on that cross. And the curse was completely crushed forever and ever, removed. The enemy was removed of all of his power and authority against us when Jesus rose from the dead and took every key of death and hell in the grave and said, you have no authority over me or my people ever again unless they give it to you. Corinthians 2.15 says that Satan was disarmed. And Michael talked about that last week. Remember the broomsticks instead of guns in the, in the planes? The enemy is firing blanks. He has no power over me. So I'm soaking in this every morning <clears throat> as I took communion. And then last month, we all know that he, he led me to start dancing in my kitchen. So I started rejoicing. Why? Because praise is a demonstration of our expectation. And every morning I'd get up and quietly dance in my kitchen. And every morning he gave me a new song of victory. 
Songs you will never hear because they were songs for me. And I sang over my body and I rejoiced in what he had done. The Bible says, I rejoice at your word who's one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at the promise is one who finds great spoil. Why? Because not one word of his can ever fail. And as I walked through this with him, my faith was strengthened at the same time that it was tested. Because he's like, oh, remember, remember Rudy Vertashnik who wouldn't go to the doctor and he died. Dummy. Remember this one who wouldn't do this and they died. Remember this one who didn't do that and they died. So the, the whole time I'm rejoicing and fighting. I'm rejoicing and fighting. And every morning I got up and I checked that lump, fully expecting it to be gone for six months. And every morning I got up and it wasn't just there, but it was bigger and more painful almost every day. Until yesterday. Because I woke up and checked it just like normal. And it was completely gone. Completely gone. It didn't shrink. It didn't start to diminish. It went from getting bigger every day to being completely gone, from being so painful that I could hardly touch it. There's no pain whatsoever. If you can imagine the dance party I had in my kitchen yesterday morning. God is good. God is good. All glory to Jesus. And I want to just preface everything I'm about to say with this. We don't earn our healing. What I did wasn't earning my healing. You understand? He paid for it. He made us able. He made us partakers. We can receive it. However, everyone say however. We do have to participate with the promise. We don't earn our healing by keeping the law, but we do have to participate with the promise. Let me give you a couple examples. Because Jericho, the walls would have never fallen if the Israelites didn't participate with the directive. Am I right? If, if God would have said, walk around the wall, one time a day for six days and seven times a day for the seventh day and then blow the trumpets and shout, which is what he said. And if the Israelites would have said, well, the victory's already ours. He said it's our promised land. He did it and now we don't have to do anything. Would the walls have ever fallen? No. They had to obey the directives of the Lord. Are you with me? They weren't earning it. They were participating with it because our participation with the promise reveals our faith. And it's faith that pulls the answer from faith to sight. Naaman, the prophet, or Naaman came to the prophet to be healed of leprosy. And what did he tell him to do? Go dip in the river Jordan seven times. Would the man have ever been healed if he didn't obey the directive of the prophet? Was he earning it? No. Was he participating with it, revealing his faith in what the prophet said? Yes. So are we clear? I didn't earn my healing, but I did participate with what he put in my heart to do. Does that make sense? So today we're going to talk about don't let anything talk you into quitting. (laughs) The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? It's kind of the same definition of faith. 
<laughs> Naaman looked insane to the people. He was going to dip in this river and come out, nothing changed. He was going to dip in this river and come out, nothing changed. Crazy. I'm going to dip in this river and come out, nothing changed. Until it did. Why? Because faith is long obedience in the same direction. Faith doesn't change directives unless God changes directives. Naaman didn't dip four times, not see a change, and decide it wasn't working. He followed it through to the end. And people might think it looks insane, but really it's just faith. Right? Are you with me? So we're going to go to um, Luke 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Obviously, we have no scriptures on the screens because I just found out at 5 o'clock this morning. I was teaching, so we didn't have time to send them in. Luke 18, verse 1. says, Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. Stop right here. A lot of times when Jesus spoke to them in parables, they had no idea what he was talking about. And we know that because he would say a parable, and then the disciples would be alone with him and say, what did you just say? (laughs) In plain English, please. (laughs) Could you say it like we can understand it? But Jesus so wanted them to get what this parable was about that he told them from the very beginning what this parable was about. That they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. So he knew that there would be times in our walk as we pray that we would be tempted to faint, to give up to lose heart and to turn coward. So he's giving them something to hold on to here when those situations come up, right? Can we all see that? Verse two, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but the woman is driving me crazy. I'm I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Another translation says, listen to what the unjust judge said. So he's not saying here that God is like the unjust judge. He gave an example and said, listen to what he said said. And I want to read what he said in the Amplified Bible, because it brings it just more to light. Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming, or at the last she come and rail on me or assault me or strangle me. This woman wanted what she was coming for. She wanted it with a vengeance to the point where the judge was fearful for her, his life that if he didn't grant her her request, it was going to be over for him. This woman meant business, right? 
So listen to what the unjust judge says. I'm going to defend and protect and avenge her because of her continual coming. Now listen, I think it's interesting that Pastor Allen started with a verse that he started with because he's like, we don't have to use all these great words and be known for our much speaking. Jesus contradicted himself a lot in the word, right? He said, they're not going to be known for their much speaking. And then he turns around and says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The only reason you keep knocking on a door is when they don't answer it. And you really want them to answer it. And you're like, I know you're in there. Answer the door. (laughs) He means both. Life is a journey. And there are going to be times we just know we ask and he provides. And that's faith. We just know it. We don't have to wonder, does he want to? Yes, he wants to. He's just waiting for us to come and ask. But there's going to be times when we do come and ask that there's some enemies to our faith that we're not going to immediately receive that thing that we asked for. And we need to know what to do in between. We need to know what to do until faith is made sight. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, will he find this kind of faith on the earth? So we're going to talk about that persistence to faith and what that looks like and why we need it. And we're going to talk today about what some enemies are. Because when we get into talking to faith, um, it can get bogged down with some stuff. And so we just want to kind of start off by saying uh, what faith is. Faith is believing God's word to be true. That's what faith is. We lean our whole self on God because we believe that not one of his promises can fail. Because we believe Psalm 46 that says he keeps every promise forever. So faith is just believing that what God said is true. But there's a a kind of thing in there that I've heard over and over as we've walked this journey. Uh, People don't think they have enough faith. Anyone ever felt like, I just don't have enough faith to pray for that? Anyone raise your hand, make me feel better about myself. I am not alone. (laughs) I've had those thoughts too. I don't have enough. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus never said, you don't have enough faith. He never talked about an amount of faith other than to say, all you need is a mustard seed of faith. You know how small a mustard seed is? If I had time this morning, I would have got one. It's teeny, smaller than your pupil. It's small. All you need is a mustard-sized faith. How many of you think you have a mustard-sized kind of faith? If you believe in your heart and have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that, that's mustard faith. Because you haven't seen him and you believe it to be true. Amen. You have, let me tell you today, if you're in doubt, you have a mustard-sized faith because God gave it to you. The Bible says he gave each of us that measure of faith. So he gave it to you. You have it. What you do with it is up to you. So he never qualified an amount of seed or amount of faith other than to say mustard seed. He did say, what kind of faith do you have? 
Mark 11:22. He said, have faith like God. Have the God kind of faith. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He did say, where did you put your faith? In Luke 8, through 25, this was when they got in the boat to cross over and the storm came up and, the, and Jesus, it says, was asleep on his pillow. I love how they put pillow in there. He was just totally at peace and asleep on his pillow. He meant to take a nap. And he was sleeping on his pillow and upstairs the disciples were afraid for their lives. Let me tell you, they weren't just being dramatic. Now my daughter can be dramatic. Call her drama. Everything's a crisis. In fact, the first thing I think my kids learned to say was, it's not a crisis. It's not a crisis. This is really not a crisis. The, oh, it's not crisis. I'd make him repeat it back to me, and she had a lisp. Like, say it's not a crisis. It's not a crisis. So, um, but let me tell you, if seasoned fishermen were fearful for their life in a storm, there was cause to be concerned. There was no drama going on here. They really knew this storm can kill us. There was cause for fear. So fear rose up. So what did they do? They went down and told Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? And what did Jesus do? He got up, he rebuked the storm, and he turned to them. And one translation says, where did you put your faith? Which means you've been with me all this time and seen the miracles and the power that I have walked in You have faith. Where, oh, where did you put it? Because a better, a better response, because for how many of you know you can't stop fear from coming? Fear is part of the autonomic nervous system. It just happens. I like to scare my children. There's just something wicked in me that likes to scare. I hide around corners. I hide behind doors. I have since they were little. Wah! Gotcha. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> but that initial response of fear, you know, in the belly, and you're just like, and the breathing gets elevated, and you're afraid. You can't help that. That's not what he was rebuking here. What you do with that is totally up to you. They could have looked at that situation and said, listen, the miracle worker's downstairs. He's sleeping on his pillow. He has never failed us. He's got God's ear. He's done amazing miracles. He's raised the dead. He's cleansed the leper, you know, money out of a fish mouth. He's done some pretty cool things. Let's wake him up and see what he's going to do next. That would have been a better response than, don't you care that we perish? Because he said, where'd you put your faith? Don't you know me by now? And so we're going to talk about this because he didn't qualify an amount of faith. He didn't care how much faith they had. He knew they had faith, and that they left it on the land. They definitely didn't put it in the boat with them. So he, qual- he never qualified anything about you don't have enough. So I want to encourage you today, you have enough faith to move a mountain. 
you currently possess in your possession enough faith to receive your answer from God. Amen? You need to look in the mirror every day and say, you have enough faith. Look yourself in the eye until you believe it. You know, John G. Lake was a missionary to Africa, would look at himself in the mirror every day and say, the power of God lives in that man. The same John G. Lake who, would, who held bubonic plague germs in his hand and they died on contact because he believed what he said about himself because it's what the word said about him. I'm getting ahead of myself. You have enough faith. You need to believe that you have enough faith. It's not how much faith we have, but what we do with it that counts. So Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, it says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, everyone say faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Um, we don't need patience unless we're waiting, right? <laughs> I've never once used patience unless I was waiting for something. Waiting can be painful. And yet that's where we find ourselves a lot of times. And if you, we're going to not read ahead for time's sakes, but if you go on reading in Hebrews 6, it gives an example of Abraham receiving his promise through faith and patience. And how long did Abraham wait? 25 years. And you might be sitting out there saying, I don't have 25 years to wait. Well, there's good news. Because that wasn't a formula. It was just an example of what persistent faith looks like. There's some things that you need to do in the wait. But I don't want to just look today at we need to pray and keep on praying. Because we know the Bible says pray. Don't turn coward. Don't give up, don't quit, don't faint, don't surrender. There's some things we need to be aware of in the meantime. And we're going to talk today about some enemies of our faith. About some things that are going to try and play tug of war with our faith to try to get us to surrender. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the word kill does not mean murder, it means surrender. The enemy has no power over us that we don't surrender to him. And so he's going to do his darndest to get us to give it up, to get us to let go of that tug of war rope and say, okay, you win. He has no power over us that we don't yield to him. That doesn't mean troubles won't come. It means we can be of good cheer because he's already overcome for us, right? Are you with me? awfully quiet. How is smile? Let's just take a smile break. Everyone smile at me. You're happy with me, right? Okay. So one of the enemies of faith is time. Everyone say time. However, trusting God means trusting his timing. That's not going to get a lot of amens. <laughs> not going to jump up and down on that one, are we? But trusting God does mean trusting his timing. Time is an enemy of faith. Why? Because the longer you have to wait, the more discouraged you get, the more time there are for doubts to come in. So those are the three enemies we're going to talk about. We're separating them, but they all go together. 
And so Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience, we possess the promise. We only need patience when we're waiting, and waiting can be painful. And this reminded me of something that Alex asked me to pray for at the beginning of cross-country season, because I always ask him, what would you like me to pray? And he said, Mom, pray that my pain tolerance would increase. And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> going to have to explain that one to me. Because I'm not a runner. And this was distance running. So it's a 3.12 mile race that they ran every week. If something, if, I, if you see me running, you better run too. Because something's chasing me. So <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about. So he started to tell me the process of the aches and pains that the body goes through. And it wasn't just a leisurely run, it was a race. So he's pushing every muscle an organ in his body and his lungs are hurting. By the end of the race, your lungs are hurting. The lactic acid's building up in your legs and your legs are hurting. Your arms are hurt. Every inch of your body hurts at the end of this race. And the ones who quit and turn coward and faint and give up and don't win are the ones who yield to the pain. The ones that can press through that pain are usually the ones that come out on top. So he said, pray that my pain tolerance would be increased. You know, there was a, a Navy SEAL that had gone to the school, champion schools, and had talked to the kids. And Alex came home and told me what he said. He goes, you know, when, you're, when your body tells you, I can't go any further, you usually have a reserve of about 60% energy left. But your body immediately tries to conserve it to survive. So it's a mental block that you have to push through. So anytime he would bump up against that pain, he'd go, oh, I got 60% more to give. It might feel like this, but the truth is I've got more energy stores in there so I can go faster. And he went faster and faster and faster. <laughs> he hit his goal of, of a 17-minute mile and then some, or 5K. He finished in 1647 or something. Blew his goal away. Why? Because he pushed past the pain. And there is pain that can harm us. But there's some pain that doesn't harm us. It just hurts, but it's there to strengthen us. And it's there to help us to grow stronger, to help us to go farther, to help us to go faster. And this isn't a time to back off. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for his church. And I've watched more cross-country races and more track races than I can count. And one thing that stands true in every single one of them is that when they get to the end, when that finish line is in sight, they don't go, oh, I'm almost there. I can slow down now. That's the time they really dig in and they're, I mean, their face is like determined and they're breathing as hard as they can and they're pushing as fast as they can. Why? Because they see the finish line and they want to cross it strong and as fast as they can. And Jesus is coming. The finish line is in sight. 
And now is not a time for us to back off and loosen up and quit. Now is the time for us to dig down and dig deep and bring as many people with us as we can. Because eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real. And at the end of it, we have to decide here. That was not in my notes, but it's true. Now's not a time to back off our faith. Now's the time to press in and say, it might hurt, but it's going to make me stronger and more able to do the will of God. He doesn't heal us just so we can go sit on a boat. He heals us so our bodies are strong to do his purpose in the earth. We need to stay here because they need us to stay here. Amen. And we have an enemy that's going to try to take us out and get us to surrender what God has already promised is ours. And time is one of those enemies that's saying, oh, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Give me your faith. Give me your faith. God's a God of eternity. Past, present, and future are all the same to him. And he's saying, come sit up here with me. You're already seated with me in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2.6. Come look at it from my perspective. Because it's already done. Don't let go of your faith. Hold on tight. If you could see what I see, you would be rejoicing and not crying. Amen. Jericho wasn't a progressive victory. The first day they walked around the wall, a few stones didn't fall out. And then the next day, it got weaker. And the next day, it got weaker. And it was like he was, it wasn't Tetris. He wasn't taking it out one level at a time from the bottom. And it was getting shorter and shorter every day. There was no evidence of that wall falling down until they shouted. No evidence. It wasn't a progressive victory. And yet the longer it takes for faith to be made sight, the mind and the enemy and your circumstances are saying, oh, you might as well just get it, give up. If it was going to happen by now, it would have happened. On the third day around that wall, eh, you might as well just give up. If it was going to fall, you would see some evidence of change. I saw no evidence of change, not any. In fact, it was the opposite. (laughs) It kept getting bigger and more painful. No evidence of change until it was completely gone. Hold on to your faith no matter what you see. The word of God is sure and true, and it will pull you through. Amen? Father, help us. Help our faith not fail in the wait. Amen. Will he find faith like this on the earth? I say he's going to find it here. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Can you guys give me an extra 10 minutes? It's almost time to go. Discouragement is another one that goes along with time. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. And a literal translation of that says, expectation prolonged and delayed makes the mind, will, and emotions weak. I'm going to say that again. 
Expectation prolonged and delayed makes the mind, will, and emotions weak. The word for heart there is our soul. It's mind, will, and emotions. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Well, I'm going to start in 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Okay, let's go back to the day before when Jesus was walking. They were walking to the city and he saw a fig tree and it didn't have any figs on it. And he said, I curse you. No man will eat fruit from you from this day forward. And they went into the city. They did their deal. They came back out. The tree was not changed. Everyone say not changed. So they go back in. The next morning, they're walking by the tree. And Peter says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. He was astonished, excitable. Wow, Jesus, it really happened. Look at the fig tree. So Jesus took this opportunity to teach them about faith. He said, have faith in God. Another translation says, have the God kind of faith. So what he's telling them here is this is the kind of faith that God has, and this is the kind of faith that you need to have. Assuredly, I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, man, Peter was in awe over the fig tree, and now Jesus says mountain. So he's saying it doesn't matter how little faith you have or how big your problem is, this is what you can do. Anyone who says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Are you with me? Okay, so it took time for that to come to pass. When Jesus spoke it, it didn't immediately shrivel up and die on the outside. But the minute he spoke it, I believe that from the roots up, it started to shrivel. But man couldn't see that. And so when Peter got so excitable the next day and said, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it withered up and died. Wow. Jesus was not dismayed when they passed it before and nothing had changed. Why? Because he knew the power of his faith and his words. Peter didn't recognize it until he saw it. So God's faith sees it before he sees it. Right? Man's faith doesn't believe until he sees. And so what he's saying here is you need to have faith like God. You need to see it before you see it. To see it. Are you with me? Oh, God is good. God is good. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Talking about discouragement as an enemy of faith. This is not a promise, people. It's a warning. Are you with me? It's not a promise. And I've heard so many people stand on this. I'm allowed to feel like this because my hope is deferred. I'm allowed to feel like this because it's taking so long for faith to be made sight. Hope deferred, and they point to the scripture. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's not a promise. It's a warning. Here's the good news. We get to choose where we put our hope.
And usually when hope is deferred, it's because our hope is in an answer. Our hope is in a certain timing. Our hope is in it looking the way we want it to look and manifesting the way we want it to manifest. And it does exactly what I, and God does what I want him to do, when I want him to do, and where I want him to do it. And if that doesn't happen, I'm upset. You don't have to raise your hands if you ever felt like that on this one. Because I know we all have. We choose where we put our hope. And the only one worthy of our hope is God. I trust you, so I trust your timing. I trust you, so no matter what I see, I believe that your word is true, and my hope is not in an answer, although I know it will come. My hope is not in a timing, although I know it will happen. My hope is in the fact that I engaged the one who has the power to change my universe and has already crushed the curse with the cross. My hope is that your power is at work in my body, whether I see it or not, and whether I feel it or not, and I'm just going to have a dance party about it because I believe you before I ever see it. We get to choose where we put our hopes or discouragements. Never an option. Ever. Right? Oh, I rejoice in his word as one who finds great spoil. Why? Because his word cannot fail. I had a dance party in my kitchen yesterday morning when faith was made sight. But can I tell you, it didn't look much different from the dance party I had the day before or the day before or the day before. I was like, oh yeah, I was expecting that. We're not surprised when the UPS truck shows up at our house two days after we order something off Amazon. Oh yeah, I was expecting that. I've been tracking it to see exactly when it left the distribution facility. (laughs) We have more faith in the UPS man. (laughs) yeah God I was expecting that our job to keep our hope where it belongs firmly anchored in him amen Jesus didn't get discouraged when the fig tree wasn't cursed immediately he knew faith would be made sight oh discouragement will play tug of war with our faith and we have God pulling the rope behind us. There's nothing to fear. The quickest way to uproot discouragement is praise. Praise flows in the darkest of places where there's trust. Amen. It's a demonstration of our expectation of what he's already done, what he said he would do, and what he's going to do. The most important conversations we're ever going to have are the ones we have with ourselves. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. No matter what I see, I believe that you've healed me, so I will praise you for healing. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, who fulfills every promise forever. Our choice, our choice. Are we meditating more on the curse or the cross? Are we more focused on the problem or the promise? Our choice, our choice, our choice. I'm going to close with this. The final enemy to faith is doubt. Doubt thrives in ignorance. And the cure for doubt is to bury yourself in the word. What we feed thrives. And what we starve dies. So starve your doubts and feed your faith. I'm going to just read this real quick. Well, um, Genesis 3. 
1 through 7, I'll just, I'll just say it for time's sake. We all know the story in the garden with Adam and Eve where the, the serpent came to Eve and said, has God really said that if you eat this fruit, you'll die? And she goes, we can't eat it or touch it or we'll die. Okay, she added, everyone knows, she added to the word of God. God never said you'll touch it if you die. Don't add to the word of God. Don't do it. Because I personally think, and there's no scriptural evidence for this, but I'm just giving you my opinion, that when she touched it and didn't die, it emboldened her to take the next step to eat it. Food for thought. It's wisdom not to touch it because you can't eat it if you're not holding it. Don't add to the word of God. Has God really said, if you eat this, you'll die? That's not going to happen. You're not going to die. God knows that it's going to make you like God. Doubt. Has God really said, will God really do? Those are where he comes. And are you really who God says you are? Those are the three things he tried to get her to doubt. Because honestly, she was as like God as she was ever going to get. Why? Because the Bible said she was made in his image and in his. She was already like God. But she let the enemy come bring doubt into there. Has God really said? He's going to try to get you to doubt what God said. Will God really do what he promised? He's going to try to get you to doubt what God said he would do. So what Eve could have done was said, okay, serpent, give me a minute. Give me a minute. God's going to be here because he comes every day in the cool of the day to walk with us. So I'm going to ask him, God, did you really say that I can't eat it? Oh, you did? Okay, just checking. Because what he said, it made me doubt. Are you really going to, is that really true what you said about the spiritual death thing? It is? Okay. Because what he said, it made me wonder. And I really didn't want to do something stupid like eat that fruit. If you really did mean what you said. (sighs) God's not afraid of our questions. God's not afraid of our doubts when we take them to him and say, God, did you really say? It's right there in black and white. Are you really going to do? I will do everything my word says I will do. Not one word of mine can fail. Not one word will come back to me void. I fulfill every promise forever. I've got it. Strengthen your faith. Starve your doubts. Feed your faith. Bury yourself in the word. What makes us doubt? Our feelings. Do you feel that? Do you feel that in your body? You're not really healed. If you were healed, you wouldn't feel that. Doesn't matter what I feel. I know the word is true. And eventually, this will change. That never will. What we see. Oh, did you see that bill? You don't have that much money in your checkbook. Did you see that bill? What's going to happen? Oh, this is what's going to happen. God's going to provide every need forever. And by what we hear, ooh, did you hear that on the news? No way Trumbull County is going to be filled with the glory of God. It's filled with heroin. Nope. It's going to be filled with the glory of the Lord because all flesh is going to see it together. Because he said he's going to pour out a spirit on all flesh everywhere all the time here. I don't care what I see out there. I don't care what I hear. I don't care what that doctor said. It's not going to get me to doubt your word because you are not a liar. Amen. God is true. He's true. He's true. He's true. We have a faith that will not turn coward. No matter how much time passes, no matter how discouraged we get, no matter how much doubt tries to invade, 
we have faith. He gave us the measure of faith. But it's up to us what we do with it. We can surrender or not. I believe God in spite of what I see, what I feel, what I hear. I agree with every thought, word, and action. With every thought in my head, with every word in my mouth, with every action in my body. So I get up and dance in the morning. And before I start dancing, I say, I want the very first actions of this body to be praised to you. I want the very first words of these lips to bring me in line with what your word says. I want the very first thoughts in my mind to be God is faithful and he is mine forever. Amen. We have a faith that is not going to turn coward and it's not going to quit and it's going to receive everything God promised for us. Amen. We choose whether or not we give up. So let's persevere through time, overcome discouragement, starve our doubts and see faith become sight. Amen. He's faithful who promised. If he spoke it, he'll perform it. He'll bring it to pass. I'm moving this because I really feel like there are people here who've been struggling in, in faith. And you need some encouragement for your faith. You're standing for something. And faith has not been made sight yet. And it's been a long time. And we want to pray with you this morning. So I'm going to bless you. And then I'm going to ask you if you're going to fellowship. Please do it in the hall. Because I believe there's chains are going to fall off today. I believe faith is going to be strengthened. And I believe doubt is going to leave. And I believe the power of God is going to invade lives. And so if you're going to, if you don't want prayer, you're welcome to go in the hall and fellowship. But uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Allen, Pastor Dan to come forward and we'll be up here to pray with you. But can you stand? I just want to bless you with this. God is good. Amen? amen. He's faithful all the time. Amen. So, Father, I bless your people according to the word of God. I pray that you would bless them with a fresh revelation of Jesus this week. Bless them with a fresh revelation of what you've done for them, what the cross accomplished for them, about who the word says that they are, about what the word says that they can have, a fresh revelation of what the word says that they can do, and strengthen, I pray that you would strengthen their faith to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now take what you've learned and go change your world. Amen. Now if you need prayer, come on forward. Can we put that, some kind of music on, any kind of music? I don't care what music.